This is Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks, and welcome to my podcast series, The Voice of Leadership. the most challenging areas in the workplace today is the area that I will refer to as sexual integrity. We've been talking about integrity issues. We've been talking about honesty and so on. And we know about the Me Too movement. We know about so many scandals from high places all the way down to other places. Many times we're looking at issues that involve presidents, congressmen, senators, mayors, governors, corporate CEOs, media moguls, people that are high up in the entertainment industry, great athletes, so many people fall into the trap of sexual sin, if you will, and lack an integrity in the sexual arena. And so I want to give some examples here today. It's just a warning so that we can stay away from all of these traps that are set up to really ensnare us. And keep in mind, when God has a call on your life and he's got something important for you to do, one of the ways that the enemy sends a stumbling block is in the form of a sexual integrity dilemma. And so we've seen it over and over again, even including in the church world where the pastors, priests, or whoever getting caught up. And sometimes a ministry of someone would be a great ministry doing good work for an extended period of time. And next thing you know, you hear that they were caught up in all kinds of activity that no one knew that they were caught up in. And it ruins the reputation of the ministry, the reputation of the person who engages in it, and destroys lives, the people who are the victims of these sexual integrity incidents. So I want to hearken back to a story in the Bible. That's the story of Amnon and Tamar in 2 Samuel, the 13th chapter. And as you might recall, Amnon is one of the sons of David, King David. And David was king at the time that these incidents took place. And Tamar was his half-sister. They had different mothers, but David was their father. Tamar was the sister of Absalom, another one of David's sons and a half-brother to Amnon. Tamar was described as a very beautiful young woman. So she's gorgeous. She's really pretty. And Amnon claimed or thought that he loved Tamar, and he loved her so much that he became distressed or sick because he really couldn't have her. Here she was, a virgin daughter of the king, and the scripture says it was improper for him to do anything to her. So just keep that in mind. Amnon is lusting after his sister, and it's something that's improper for him to do all the things he wants to dream up in his mind. So instead of dealing with himself and the improper thoughts and plans that he had in mind, 
he had a friend, an evil friend who was really crafty. His name was Jonadab. And so Jonadab's like, you know, Amnon, what's wrong with you? You know, you're losing weight. You're not looking too healthy these days. Something's bothering you. And so Amnon tells him the dilemma and what he's all upset over. So Jonadab says, oh, no problem. Just pretend that you're sick and then go to your father, the king, and ask him to have your sister come over to your house and make you some food. And then you can just take advantage of the circumstances. And so Amnon thought, oh, this is a wonderful plan. That's exactly what I'm going to do. So he does all of that. And King David says, sure, yeah, your sister Tamar can come over and, and make you some food because you're ill and so on and so forth. So Tamar comes over, cooks the food, makes the cakes, as it's called. And he, Amnon, sends everyone else out of the house. Now, that's very unusual because in those days, people were rarely in houses alone. There were always servants around, family members or somebody, you know, even to be a witness to something that might occur. But Amnon sent everyone else away. And it's just him now and his sister Tamar. So she brings him the food to eat. And then instead of taking the food to eat, he grabs hold of her. She warns him and she says to him, says, oh, you know, don't do this. You know, this is like a wicked and evil thing. Don't force me to be with you. And then she says to him, I'm sure if you ask my father that he will give me to you. In other words, in a proper way, you could be married to me. And then there would be no problem. But of course, Amnon didn't listen. He didn't hear any of this because, you know, the difference between lust and love is this. When you're operating out of lust, you cannot wait to do the wrong thing. When you're operating out of love, love is patient. Love is kind. It's not in a hurry. It's thinking about the good of the other person. And in his case, He is self-focused. He's only thinking about himself. He's not thinking about the damage that he will do to her with this incident. So as it turns out, he rapes her. He forces her into this sexual uh, situation. And what's even worse is after this horrible violation, then he hates her. He hates her even more than he loved her. And he kicks her out of the house and out of the room, just throws her away like refuse, as if, you know, she has no value and no meaning. And she runs out of the house crying. She tears her robes. In those days, if you were a virgin daughter of the king, there were certain kind of outfits you wore, certain kind of colors. Well, now she's violated. She can't wear that outfit anymore. And she's basically so humiliated and humbled and harmed and anything negative you can think of is how Tamar is feeling. And she's crying and she's running back and she runs into her brother Absalom and Absalom kind of probably figuring what might have gone on. He asks her if her brother Amnon has been with her and she says, yes. And he says, well, don't make a big to do about it because after all, he is your brother And in other words, now she's got to go to his house as a desolate woman who is silenced. And that's exactly what happens in today's time. People are enduring so much harm from these sexual integrity violations. And 
those who are the victims are often silenced. They can't even take their pain, if you will, to a court of law to get justice. And so this begins a whole cascade of events. Back in those days, and this is different from how things are today, as a result of being violated, she doesn't have any opportunity to get married to someone else. No other man is going to be interested in marrying her. So she's going to live as this desolate woman in her brother's house, never married, never have children, and so on and so forth. That is a horrible thing to do to someone. And of course, even in our culture, even though a person who's been violated can get married again, go on to have children and so on and so forth, the nightmares that they may have and the PTSD and all the other challenges that come from enduring such a violation, they still have to live with that. Harm is being done in a case of this magnitude. And let's say if it was an adulterous relationship where there was consent between the parties, you're still damaging families, you're damaging relationships, you're damaging future relationships that might not even be in place. So even if two people agree to do something, there's still a problem if it's not in accordance with God's plan. And if you're representing God in the workplace by being one of his people and a light in your work environment, you don't want to have these sexual integrity issues hanging over your head. And in fact, Amnon was even worse than the pagan people who Jacob had encountered years earlier. So we find an incident where Jacob had a daughter whose name was Dinah. And as they were traveling around in their sort of nomadic life, and they came into the area of Shechem, Shechem was a prince of the town, of the area and the, the local environment. Dinah went out to the fields to meet with the other young ladies of the environment and to enjoy the beauty of the place. And while she was out, Shechem saw her. He really liked her and he violated her. He raped her. Now, that was a horrible thing for Shechem to do. However, he was more honorable than Amnon with the case of Tamar, because in Shechem's case, he liked Dinah and he wanted to marry her. And he went to his father and asked his father to get Dinah for him as his wife. His father's name was Hamor and they were Hivites. And of course, when Jacob's sons found out that their sister had been violated by this pagan Gentile person, they were very upset about it. And so they didn't want to give their sister to this pagan man as a wife. And in addition, they felt that he should pay for the harm that he had done. Now, Shechem, on the other hand, was willing to marry her, to have her as a wife. However, the sons of Jacob weren't going to have any of that. And they said, well, we can't let our sister marry you. You're an uncircumcised person. All of our clans, people, all of our people, they're circumcised. And so the men, all the men of Shechem agreed that they would become circumcised too, so that they could be part of this community. And so while all the men were recovering from this adult circumcision procedure and in pain and not at 100%, the sons of Jacob went in and killed them all. 
That's what happened in that case. So we find then, again, whenever there are integrity problems, other people suffer, and usually there's death and destruction in the wake. So in the case with Shechem and all the men in his town, because of his activity of raping Dinah, all the men were killed. In Amdon's case, here's what happened. There was a whole series of cascading events. Eventually, Tamar's brother Absalom kills Amnon for raping his sister Tamar. So now you have a scandal in the king's house, several scandals. One, the king's daughter has been raped by a brother. That's a scandal. Another scandal, a brother kills a brother in the king's house. Death and destruction in the wake and continuing. And because Absalom had now killed Amnon, he had to flee for his life. And now he's banished from the kingdom. So he stays away a number of years. Eventually, he comes back, but his father doesn't give him an audience. He's not able to see his father. And he becomes very bitter, even more bitter than he already was, because really King David probably should have taken some action to really deal with the violation of his daughter. He didn't do what he should have done as a father when this impropriety took place. So Absalom took things into his own hands. Now Absalom comes back. His father doesn't embrace him. So eventually Absalom rebels against King David, his father. He usurps the throne. David has to flee out of the palace for his life. And ultimately the soldiers of the army eventually find and they kill Absalom. And instead of being happy about it, David's very upset. He's weeping over Absalom, which, of course, is a problem for his soldiers who've risked their lives for him. And it looks as if he doesn't appreciate it. So, again, more cascading effects as he fails to honor the men in his military who are operating on his behalf. So when we think about these issues of sexual integrity and all the things that we can get caught up in, even in the workplace, because people, there's always so much temptation in the workplace. And you get a little power, you get a little money, and sometimes you think that you deserve all of these extra things which don't belong to you, kind of like Aiken in our last series. He thought that he could take a few things that didn't belong to him. And in today's stories, people were taking things that did not belong to them. And I'll throw in one more example. And this is an example during the time of John the Baptist in the New Testament. John the Baptist was beheaded. And the reason he was beheaded is because Herod Antipas, who was the ruler at the time, was married to Herodias, his wife. However, Herodias had been the wife of Herod Antipas' brother, Philip. They carried on an affair, which was against God's plan, so lacking in integrity. And from that affair, they decided to get divorced from their spouses and marry each other. So John the Baptist spoke against their marriage, and he told Herod Antipas, it's not lawful and it's not right for you to have her as a wife because she is your brother's wife. And so 
Herodias did not like that. She didn't like the fact that John the Baptist always was speaking against their marriage. So one day when Herod Antipas had a party or an event and Herodias' daughter danced for this event and Herod was pleased, he offered to give the daughter anything she wanted up to half the kingdom. And when she consulted with her mother, her mother said, ask for John the Baptist's head on a platter and ask for it right away. Herod Antipas was very upset that this is what happened and that that was the request. Yet he had to send people to the prison. They beheaded John and sent the head back on a platter and gave it to the young lady who brought it to her mother. So again, sexual integrity, trying to hide out, trying to silence the messengers about the impropriety, people get harmed, people get killed. So that's really the theme that we're seeing in all of this. So as we're thinking about all of these examples, I want to just conclude with a verse that comes from James, the first chapter, and it's verses 12 through 15. And it says, Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say, when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then, when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. You've been listening to The Voice of Leadership with me, Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks. And I want to give a special thanks to jazz saxophonist Ron McMillan for granting us permission to use his gifted music on our show. Thanks for listening. And remember to go to my website, transleadership.com, for more strategies, insights, and leadership resources.